Hello everyone and welcome to the Dear Future Hubby podcast. I am your host Teresa Reese and y'all know how we do it. I am going to read a poem from my book of poetry entitled A Strong-Willed Mind Healing Scars Over Time Through My Poetry. And tonight's poem is entitled, You Chose Her. And here we go. I convinced myself that I was over you. Why did I avoid telling myself the truth? Reality now setting in, realizing that closure never happened. Time didn't heal this broken heart. I'm hating so much that we are apart. I sit here wiping away the tears, approaching yet another year. Of you with her and me with him, tell me, how did this happen? I imagined us together still, but that's fantasy and it's not real. My hopes for brighter days went away when you chose her instead of me. So tonight, what I really wanted to talk about was infidelity. I was in a meeting earlier this evening. Um, I was invited to be on a panel as a moderator. And we were talking about healing after experiencing broken relationships. And if you know anything about these particular platforms, you normally don't know what is going to manifest. You don't know what type of subjects are going to come up. You don't know what type of conversations are going to be sparked. You typically are just operating in faith in hopes that maybe someone will come to the stage and They will begin to share their own personal triumphs or their own personal testimonies or maybe have questions. So when we opened up the floor for people to be able to come to the stage and speak to us, me and this young lady, we were both moderators. There was a young man who confessed about cheating on his girlfriend of five years. And he asked the question, if I cheated on my girlfriend, is the reason that she's sticking around is because she can't wait to pay me back? So he was operating in a level of fear of retaliation. So I began to minister to him and I began to let him know that anytime that you are operating um, and making the decision that you want to reconcile a relationship You got to be mindful of who it is that you're making that commitment to, because if you are the offender, you hold the responsibility, the responsibility, let me get it out, of being able to help to mend the brokenness of the person whom you offended. And so when trust has been broken, there's going to be some work involved. And you have to count up the cost. You got to be willing to ask yourself, am I going to focus on remaining faithful? Do I feel like I run the risk of cheating on her again? Um, If I run the risk of cheating on her again, should I go ahead and end the relationship now? 
but also from another perspective of if you're agreeing to reconcile the relationship, then you should believe that you know enough about that individual that retaliation is not on their mind and not on their heart, that their true desire is to reconcile and not hold it over your head. Because if it is the type of person that is going to hold the infidelity over your head, then you may want to consider whether or not reconciliation is truly the answer. And so as we went on further, I started to understand that he was self-sabotaging because in his mind, I cheated on you. So I need you to, instead of being kind and loving on me, I need you to make me feel guilty for what it is that I did. And so I was telling him that he needed to throw that tape away because a lot of times whenever you are in a relationship and let's just say for whatever reason you mess up, we're human. It can happen. Your hope is that it doesn't. But if it does, the person that has caused the offense, instead of constantly playing the tape of I offended, I offended, I offended and doing that every single day and beating yourself up. If you truly have a heart of remorse, if you truly know that this is not the path that you're trying to walk for the rest of your life, and you truly do feel bad about the bad decisions that you've made or bad decision that you've made, then forgive yourself. And I went on to tell him that a part of forgiving yourself is to replace the negative ideas, the thoughts, all of that with the positive. So I said, anytime that, you know, you feel really, really bad and you've done something and you've offended someone, you, you know, depending on who the person is, depending on what their background is, depending on what their triggers are, you may constantly just, you wake up thinking about it, constantly go to bed thinking about it. Even when the other person is not even, it's not even in their, the forefront of their mind. They, you know, did everything they could. They did the work. They forgiving you. You're still like, why did you forgive me? And so I told him, I said, if you're at the point that you can't see why it is that she's willing to reconcile with you, if you don't have any positive thoughts that you can put in place of the negative thoughts, have that dialogue with her. Ask her, why is she willing to reconcile? Ask her, what is it that she sees in you that would make her want to work on this relationship? And I said, because what will happen is when you start to hear her say, because you're a loving man, because you are a king, because that was just one mistake that doesn't define who you are, because I know that you love me. I said, when she starts to tell you the reasons why she has chosen to stay in the relationship, then what you can do, if you got that negative tape that's constantly playing Throw that tape out in your mind and replace it with a brand new tape with a brand new description of who you are. Call those things that be not as though they are because nine times out of 10, that's exactly what she's doing. So I said, if you can't think for yourself in terms of what do I bring to the table because you're so broken behind the offense that you have caused and how you hurt her heart and how you broke her heart, then ask her to reiterate the reasons why reconciliation wasn't even an afterthought. It was the first thought that came to her mind after finding out your truth. Once you have that information, start to implement that information, start to speak it 
constantly until you believe the words that are coming out of your own mouth concerning who you are. And although healing takes time, when you are surrounded by the right people, when you're surrounded by the people that speak life into you, it makes the world of difference. And one of my good friends, she actually happened to be on the stage with us. I invited her on the stage. So she was on the stage with us. And what I ended up, literally, I gave her her flowers while she yet lives. And I used her as an example because I told him, I was like, and the ladies that were present as well, I was like, I remember when I had gone through a very dark place and she and I are um, co-workers. And so I said, I remember when I had gone through a very dark place and I said, she was the light in my life. And what she would do every once in a while, she would take me out to eat. We had our little thing that we would do Starbucks. And then out of the blue, sometimes she would just gift me with like really expensive gifts. It wasn't the value of the gift that mattered. It was just the fact that she literally would go out of her way to make sure that I felt confident, even at my lowest of lows. And I made the comment to him and I said, sometimes when your self-esteem is so low and you can't see yourself getting through the trenches, you can't see yourself overcoming the situation because it just seems too hard to bear. He had confessed that he had taken like eight Tylenol pills because he had thought about ending his life because the pain was too much. And so I told him, I said, there, when you are in those moments, it is always imperative that you find someone or that you surround yourself with someone who is going to speak life into your life. To stay isolated when you're already depressed, when you're already heartbroken, when you're already torn apart is not using wisdom. The Bible says an idle mind is a devil's workshop. I truly believe that, and I'm not a doctor, but I truly believe that a lot of people that have ended their lives prematurely is because they felt like they were going through something going through a valley all by themselves that no one cared whether they lived or they died. And so they opted to make a permanent decision behind a temporary circumstance. So what I encouraged him to do, I was like, if you don't have someone in your corner that can speak life, that can encourage you, that can see you past the pain, pray for it, ask for it seek it. And I said, the person that you're dating, apparently she still wants to be present in your life. You need to draw closer to her because she's able to pull those things out of you. She's able to minister to you. She's able to encourage you. She's able to help you mend that brokenness within yourself. And if you feel as if that's not enough, then just ask for direction in terms of who it is you can truly be completely transparent with that you know that they have your best interest at heart, that they are genuine concerning you and that they only want you to become the best version of yourself. And I went on to explain how with my friend, there were so many things that she did. And when she would gift me, she would be like, Teresa, this is how you deserve to be treated. And as a friend, what she was trying to show me was 
all the other types of experiences that I had had where the man was not truly knowing my worth or valuing my worth that whether she said it or not subconsciously I had began to believe the lie but as my friend she saw the truth within me and so what she did not even realizing I don't even believe that she was consciously aware of what she was doing but what she did was she literally was speaking to those things that be not as though they were she was allowing me to see myself at a higher standard. She was allowing me to see my value and my worth and seeing that I deserve to be ministered love to, that I did not deserve for it to just be one-sided where I was doing all the giving and not, no type of receiving. And I don't even know that she realized what she was doing, but over a period of time, what that did, it helped me to reevaluate how I viewed myself. So I was telling him, this is helpful when you are literally at the lowest of lows and you don't know how in the world you're going to bounce back from the pain or you don't know how in the world you're going to get your self-esteem back or you don't know, you know, because a lot of times when people go through trials and tribulations, they may put on a few more pounds. So when they put on those few more pounds, they may start to psychologically tell themselves, you're not cute anymore. You're not beautiful anymore. You ain't got it no more. And over a period of time, the more that you tell yourself this lie, the more that you start to believe the lie. So that when someone that is speaking genuinely and they're coming from a place of kindness and of love, it will be foreign to you because you've been telling yourself that lie all this time. So that when someone pays you a compliment, you're like, oh, get out of here. You don't mean that. How do I know? Because it happened to me. Being raised where I was verbally abused, I got to the point that when I got older, whenever someone would compliment me, I would cry. I even got to the point that literally, I'll never forget it. One day I was on my way to go to work. While I was on my way to go to work, I knew I was cute that day. I knew I was so, so cute from head to toe, accessories, everything, outfit banging, everything on point, hair on point. On my way to work, I heard the voice of the compliments being said to me before I ever got to work. I had a nervous breakdown at a stoplight because I could not receive the compliment because I had gotten so used to hearing the lies. So to hear a compliment made me have anxiety. It made me feel like, okay, if this person is complimenting me, they must want something. All of that came from the stinking thinking that had been poured into me for years. So I had to re and deprogram myself and my thought pattern because after being told the lie for so long, I believed it. I was the type of person that other people, if they complimented me and said, Teresa, you look pretty today, I would, would not even know how to say thank you. Let's start there. But then I would go to the bathroom and I would cry because I that was a foreign language to me. I didn't know how to receive or accept compliments because I wasn't raised receiving compliments. I wasn't trained to receive compliments. So I had this beauty 
at a tender age and didn't know how to embrace it. It wasn't until later on in life when my aunt set me aside and said, I apologize on behalf of every human being that did not know how to teach you how to handle your beauty. I'm sorry that they wounded you with your their words. I'm sorry that they did not know how to show you how to be the most beautiful girl in the world and how to walk with your head held high. I broke down crying like a five-year-old child when I heard that apology. But it was necessary for me to start rebuilding the way that I viewed myself and not being apologetic for something that I had no control over. I didn't create myself. So why was I constantly being apologetic for someone? Oh, she thinks she all that. Oh, she thinks she's cute. Oh, she, how do you know what I'm thinking? I may have looked like I thought I was all that. I may have looked like I thought I was gorgeous. I may have looked like I thought I was beautiful, but the inside of me was broken because of all the lies that had been said to me leading up to that point. It was a mask. I was covering the hurt. I was covering the damage. The makeup didn't make me beautiful. I had to work on inner beauty. Because I had to debunk all the stinking thinking. That's not something that came to me automatically. That's something that someone else, God sent someone else, other people to pour into me what had been stripped and robbed from me as a child, a teenager, and a young adult. He placed angels encamped around me to refill the empty cup. Because he saw who he created. He saw what he put in me. He saw my capacity. He saw my ability. But because of other people's insecurities, they spoke their conscience on me. So it took other people who were confident in him to re-pour back into me what had been stripped from me unaware. To where I could recognize now what I couldn't recognize then is when a person with low self-esteem does all that he can to try to bring me all the way down. It's because you're intimidated by the light. You want me to have a low self-esteem so that you can feel present enough to be in my presence. You want me to shrink so that you can increase. That's not the man for me. But it took me years to do the work, to pray, to cry, to seek the face of God, to humble myself, to surrender from my will to his will. It took a whole lot of going back and forth to figure out who is Teresa Reese before the lies were spoken into my life, before the negativity was poured into my spirit. Before the crushing of my soul took place. Who is Teresa Reese? And the longer I stayed in his presence, 
the more I found out that I am made in his image. And yes, I am human, so I will make mistakes. Yes, you are human, so you will make mistakes. You will not always get it right 110%. You will not always get it right 100%. But there is a thing called repentance. There is a thing called remorse. There is a thing called forgiveness. And there is a thing called unconditional love. And I believe that sometimes we're so trained to show unconditional love toward others. Not realizing that we really need to start with showing unconditional love toward ourselves. Because in doing so. That's when we get to discover who we truly are. That's when we get to say, I am me unapologetically. I hope that this episode encourages someone. On here, we love to be raw, which is an acronym for real and wise. Please do me a real big favor and don't just keep the episode to yourself, send it to some friends and family members. My goal is to reach a thousand listeners by the end of May, 2021. We are currently at over 450. This podcast has only been on for two months and a few days. So to be over 450 in less than three months, I believe, I don't know nothing about podcasting, but I do believe in my heart of hearts that that's a really big deal. So I know that this was not by accident, but I want to be able to encourage more than a few. So do me a big favor and spread the love as well as spread the word. So here I go. I'm going to read this poem to my future hubby. The date is March the 12th of 2021. And it goes. Dear future hubby, you matter. Your life has value. It has meaning. You are irreplaceable. I don't care how many times you have heard the words, you are replaceable. I've come to tell you that you are irreplaceable because there will never be another you. There will never be another person who possesses the essence of who you are. They may try to duplicate you, but honey, they will never replicate you. I often use my platform and other arenas to remind people of this very thing. Simply because a lot of us do not hear just how significant we truly are enough. Some people may be okay with this and yet others may not. I'm raising my finger like I'm in church to let you know I'm one of those that is not okay with not hearing from the people that I love and the people that love me that I am significant. However, as my future hubby, I believe you should hear these words often until they become a part of your DNA. You are significant. You matter. Your life has value. It has meaning. You are irreplaceable.
I love you, my king. Love, Teresa. So I hope that this blesses you, the hearers and the doers of the word. (laughs) I hope this blesses you um, no matter when you hear it, whether it's morning, noon or night. Do me a huge favor. Please take care of yourself because there is only one you. Signing out, your girl, Teresa. Y'all have a blessed one. Bye.